Welcome to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. Simply, there's going to be almost 80 million <laughs> millennials in uh, the U.S. as of next year. I was kind of coming up with like this this joke over the last couple of events that I went to where you know, 80 million millennials are going to be in the U.S. in 2019, and almost all of them are going to be working for marketing departments right. across the country, right? <laughs> Pop Promos is one of the most vibrant, energetic brands in the industry. And Pop Promos founders, millennials Aaron Riley and Sterling Wilson, were honored this year as ASI Counselor Magazine's Supplier Entrepreneurs of the Year. Hi friends, I'm Bobby Leehu, the Chief Content Officer at CommonSkew, and in today's episode, I sit down with Rory Young, Pop Promo's Director of Sales and 2018 ASI Hotlist Award winner, and Sarah Smith, who began in sales support and worked her way up to become a Senior Account Executive at Pop Promos. Yes, we're talking millennials again, but from a different perspective. The average age at Pop Promos is somewhere around 26 years old. Rory and Sarah have been sharing through a presentation the impact of millennial buyers on our industry, and in today's episode, we uncover a few secrets to working with millennial colleagues and millennial clients. You'll be pleasantly surprised. It's not as hard nor as much of a communication chasm as we make it. We discuss Gen Z, the impact of millennial tastemakers on merchandising, and a whole lot more. This episode is brought to you by CommonSkew, the effortless business management platform that powers you to process more orders and grow your business. To learn more or to start your free trial, visit commonskew.com. And now my conversation with Rory and Sarah of Pop Promos. I've always had this theory that we keep speaking about millennials as if they are some kind of alien species. And I think probably most millennials might <laughs> perhaps feel that way. When the simple fact is they're just more evolved than the rest of us. And I mean that literally. I mean, you, you, the millennials have come in and this is just my own perspective. Uh, they brought this wellness and this wholeness back to work-life balance. They, had the, they came in with a fresh perspective on the way life should be, life and business should be. And that's what I mean by more evolved. They're just standing on the shoulders of previous generations and realizing they also want to make their mark and do something different. I'm also cognizant of the fact that I'm trying to typify when I hate typifying people. So people are individuals and they're made up of their own personalities and characteristics. And, you know, no one goes around defining me as a Gen Xer um, because it's just not that big of an influence like the millennials have been. Um, but I would fight back if someone were trying to peg me, you know, and, and typify me. But how would you guys define a millennial? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great question. And I think I totally agree with you. Like too often we try to just sum everybody up and put them in this one little box. And for some reason with, with millennials, it's been done even more so, yeah, right? right? Really like what, what we can kind of surmise is that basically this generation is people that just grew up with the internet. Yeah. From a technological standpoint, they've just grown up with a different set of tools and it just helps shape them a little bit more. From my perspective, I totally agree with you. I see uh, these young people that are coming in and have found and ways to be more efficient. They lack the angst that someone from my generation has, <laughs> right? And I think that ultimately, like they're, they are a healthier crew. Yeah. And that, that would be my spin on it. Yeah. yeah. What, do you what do you think, Sarah? Because I am a millennial, it's, it's so funny to hear like all of 
you know, people's different perspectives on our generation. I mean, it's true. I mean, we're more technologically advanced and I think that we're able to multitask. I can have five tabs up on my computer and be working on three different projects at once. And that's just what I've grown up doing. We find new ways to communicate quickly with one another, which is all really great things. And when it comes to the work environment, it's definitely awesome. But in terms of emotionally, I don't think millennials are as evolved. I remember stories when my mom, you know, was when I was in high school and I was in a fight with my girlfriends and my mom said, well, why don't you go up to them at lunch and talk to them about it? And I was like, what? Why would I do that? I'm talking to I'm messaging them right now. I'm not going to go up to them and talk to them about this. And Obviously, this isn't every single millennial, but I think that in terms of the way the world is now, it's definitely more of a negative thing. The fact that all of us are so tech savvy, we're online dating, we're online shopping, we're getting in, you know, fights with people via the internet. And it's just, it's a crazy thing. And I think that each person has their own, you know, way that they communicate with people. And obviously all millennials aren't the same, but there's definitely pros and cons of growing up in this generation, I would say. Right, right. right. You know, you guys are probably like me. On one hand, I'm, I tire of the millennial conversation because it's kind of omnipresent. On the other hand, I also value it because you can't ignore the influx of buyers that are coming into the market. And for the, for the promotional products industry, you know, as a distributor, I could have... I could be doing work for a company who's who's maybe a conservative company and they they're doing it about a million in sales with us. And inside the that company, the buyers themselves might be in their mid-20s and responsible for six figures of a budget or seven figures of a budget. So this is a critical question. I don't mean to minimize it, but due to the influx of millennial buyers that have flooded the market, let's remind folks that are listening, why should we keep paying attention to it? Simply there's going to be almost 80 million <laughs> millennials in uh, the U.S. as of next year. I was kind of coming up with like this this joke over the last couple of events that I went to where you know, 80 million millennials are going to be in the U.S. in 2019 and almost all of them are going to be working for marketing departments right. across the country, right? <laughs> like, it is. There's nothing that we can do to, right. to stop it. And it makes sense, right? I mean, obviously, you know, young people have these kind of positions in major corporations. Yeah. One thing that I just keep noticing is that so many distributors are kind of hung up over it. Um, what do you mean by that? It's an, it, well, it might just be that they are not used to change or they've been you know, used to, to dealing with one type of person over the last 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. And then for something to, to, to come in and just have somebody that just is younger and different and communicates differently has been a struggle for them to kind of wrap their heads around it and maybe a little scary just because of what you said. I mean, you know, this, this could potentially be one of their biggest buyers. They don't want to mess it up, (laughs) but from a way they're almost kind of getting in their own heads and making things more complicated than they need to be. It's definitely something that a lot of distributors have to deal with. It's a big part of their, their jobs. Yeah. And it's a bit frightening if you as a distributor don't have a unique value proposition that really anchors the client, the business client to you, Mm -hmm. you know, typically you lose the buyer, you lose the account. And that's why it's a bit frightening for folks. But you're, you're, I think you're exactly right, Rory. Uh, you work, guys work with a lot of distributors. Mm-hmm. And there's probably a huge swath, a huge percentage of them that may not be paying attention to this as closely as they should be. For me, it's a little funny coming into the industry. I mean, this is one of my first jobs out of college. And I had absolutely no idea what the promotional products industry 
even was, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And right. I think that most people that work at our company didn't either, but that works for us because we didn't know that there was an industry norm. And what I'm finding is that a lot of the top distributorships that I am working with, they've had a business model and way of selling to their clients for so long and it has worked for them. And they are now hiring a lot of newer, younger people because they need help to appeal to younger buyers because they they obviously want to appeal to them, but sometimes they just don't know how or, or don't know yeah. what the, the best way to go about it is. Yeah. So that's what I'm seeing. Just a lot of people that I work with that have been set in their ways for so long are now kind mm-hmm. of trying new things, hiring a new group of people in order to try to sell to this younger group of people. Millennials selling to millennials. Can you yeah. explain why it's important to pair millennials with millennials? And do you have examples yeah. of this dynamic working well? And I realize it's an obvious question, but I do know business owners that are seriously rethinking, re-engineering their sales teams mm-hmm. for multiple reasons. This is just one of them. I think, Baba, you just mentioned a little bit ago, how does a distributor continue to uh, have perceived value to their clients, right? right? right. There, that is probably the biggest uh, hurdle that everybody is dealing with right now yeah. with the influx of kind of online distributors and easier ways for people to kind of go direct. How can you separate yourself? And one way that jumps out to me is obviously kind of going back a little bit in developing relationships, right? right. You know, that is so important and if you can pair up similarly minded people, people that maybe communicate in the same way, it makes just an easier process. It makes people, the buyers more comfortable in general yeah. to have somebody that thinks like them and communicates the, the way that they do and is, is fast paced. So to me, you know, that's the most obvious answer to this. You, know, you pair somebody up to, to be someone they can have an actual positive relationship and become friends with is the easiest way to make business happen. Right. So It doesn't have to be a millennial selling to a millennial, right? I mean, that's, if we're doing that, then all of the people that have been in the industry for so many years that are so successful would be, it wouldn't be working, you know? Mm-hmm. Rory is one of our top salespeople and he's not a millennial, but we call him a senior millennial in the <laughs> office because he is with us all day long and he, you know, is starting to develop sort of our characteristics and he knows how we communicate and we have a great relationship. So it's not necessarily millennials selling to millennials. I just think that if buyers are millennials, why shouldn't the people who are trying to sell to them be forward thinking and embrace their characteristics? You don't have to be our age. You just need to maybe not be so negative and be just open to a new generation, I would say. Yeah, I, I think it's a great point, Sarah, that you can adapt uh, yeah. and you have the tools at your fingertips that allow you to adapt as well. The, the good thing is like one of the sort of secrets to success in the promotional products business as a distributor, and I, I'm going to p- point out the painfully obvious, but every distributor who, who has landed a client knows this, landed a hard to reach prospect and turned them into a client knows this. Fast responses, creative merchandising, those are really key. And when you're, you're right, you don't have to be a millennial to sell millennial, <laughs> obviously, but you do have to adapt. There are distributors that already have in their DNA this muscle reflex to work with millennials. So they don't have to completely re-engineer the way their teams look, if you will. The most successful distributors already know that and do that very well. 
one of the critical things I think millennials are bringing into the market is that they are challenging distributors to think outside traditional products and traditional channels. For example, you might have mm-hmm. a millennial buyer who found something on Kickstarter that think is really cool, and they might send that link to their promotional products distributor and say, hey, have you ever seen anything like this? Or I love this idea. Is there something similar? And my point is, you know, 15 years ago, you could have walked the show floor and you would have found a lot of uh, a lot fewer fashion brands, a lot of fewer mm-hmm. fashion forward ideas. But I do think that we're already beginning to see how this is shaped and, and transforming the merchandising of the promotional products industry. Has that been your experience? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, we are so narrowly focused on uh, the products that we can make personally yeah. that we don't get a whole lot of like the custom type questions right. like this new product that we haven't seen. But I will say this through the channels, through the steps. So from a buyer to a distributor to us, a lot of our best products have come from recommendations, people saying, hey, I saw this, I saw that, you know, this is really popular right now. So yeah, I mean, I think that's an obvious trend that's happening. You see more brands that are sometimes starting in promo and then moving into retail, which is kind of crazy, right? So like, there's some more trendsetters on all different aspects. And people are just realizing that this is just a whole nother channel to sell a product to. How do you guys, I mean, you guys are known for this very fresh and vibrant brand and your products. Mm -hmm. We have a leadership that is uh, still very, uh, very involved in, in such things. So it's constantly on the lookout for the next thing. We have a product development team that is doing the same exact thing. Okay. So, and I think because there's a couple of people in this company that are following the tastemaker, so to speak, yeah, you know, online right. through social media, right. like it, it does keep us a little bit ahead of the game, I'd say. Yeah. So Rory, I'm curious about this. You, you speak on this topic. What inspired you to speak on this particular topic? Why are you trying to get this message out? I think for us, we decided that a, we, when we go and we, we present and we, we go to trade shows and we go to these uh, you know, different events that EMEs facilitates and things like that, right? Where you're kind of sitting down and you're chatting with someone who has, who's going to be sitting through about 40 to 50 right. of these kind of presentations. Right. The number one thing is that we, we want to make something a little bit different. Yeah. Well, we try to position ourselves to, to be outside of the norm of what a supplier is supposed to be. So why not just completely kind of try to flip the flip the script, so to speak, and and change what the topic should be about. Yeah. Second thing is that we kind of wanted to turn into this thing, right? There's so many people, like we've been talking about this whole time, that have these negative connotations and that just keep bringing it up. My, my owners are 28 years old. They are sick of being classified as millennials. <laughs> right. you know, they're tired of being like <laughs> yeah. brought up. We thought, why don't we just turn this on its side and really start to show people that there really is not as much difference as we all think. Yeah, good point. And we... We just thought it would be a fun and engaging way to interact with our with our distributor partners, get them to know a little bit more about ourselves, kind of break down these walls that are always there. Yeah. And then, you know, try to squeeze in some of the, the ways that we can help people uh, get around this issue. I had no idea where the idea of doing this presentation came from, to be honest. And when it was presented to us before we went to these shows, I mean, I was super excited about it because yeah. we hear the, the stereotypes all day long. I mean... There's people that call the office that will call us degenerates and this, that, and the other thing. And it's just like, do you even know me? You know what I mean? It's like each person is so different rather than ignoring, you know, the fact that we are a young company of millennials that hear these stereotypes all day long. We thought it would be, you know, a fun thing to talk about them and unpack the persona of, of the millennial alien species and, and, you know, like talk about 
the ways that we can all benefit from embracing this this generation of people. Rory, every speaker who speaks on a topic ends up becoming the biggest student in the room. What did you learn preparing for this that you didn't know before? I think I learned more than anything that it's obvious as to why this this younger generation of people act the way that they do, right? There is uh, such a change in what they grew up with and the access to, to easy things that allows them to be just quicker on their feet and be able to be adaptable and fast. And, you know, I walked away from this presentation like, how could anybody take these people as being negative? Right. I mean, sure, we all we all cringe when we see like the amount of selfies that go on and things like that. But but other than that, I mean, this is just a kind of person who has, like you said earlier, has really evolved and been able to to move faster. So for me, it, it was pretty quickly I realized that there wasn't a whole lot negative that was coming from this. It was just an educational piece to get somebody to to realize. I will say, uh, you know, as we're as I'm talking to you and as I. I've had this millennial conversation now with other professionals. One of the things I'm kind of learning that we all are also trying to do, and I think Sarah touched on this a little bit, is that we're trying to separate the difference between a persona and an individual. I know I keep going back to this because it's kind of an ax for me to grind. We shouldn't ever mistake a persona for the individual. And an example of that is, is it's okay to shift our marketing message so that we can talk to a persona, but we also need to embrace the fact that we're working with individuals. Because you could have a millennial who thinks you know, like a Gen Xer or responds like a Gen Xer. And so I, I just think it's an important distinction. And I talk about this a lot with our marketing that we tell, we should tell real client stories and not uh, an aggregate of clients, if you mm -hmm. will. Cause I think that's a little bit of the danger. And we know that for sure. When you start working with a buyer, you, you've left the world of personas and now you're dealing with an individual with their own predilections and their own preferences and things like that. So I think that's awesome. I think the best thing to do is to be is to be prepared for some of these ways that you need to adapt to deal with somebody new. But then, yeah, when you get to the heart of it, I mean, what are we doing? You know, we are helping individual people. Nothing is changing from that standpoint. Yeah. yeah. And, and really, it's probably our own hangups that get in the way of dealing with people that we think are different than us, right? right? But if you can sort of peel that back and realize that there's nothing to be scared of, then that allows you to more easily really get to the heart of the matter and deal with the person individually and figure out what makes them personally tick, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's funny from, from my perspective. I mean, I'm 37, right? So I've been through a couple different generations, but it just doesn't seem like we talked about those as much. I mean, really, it's just yeah. young people, but for some reason... <laughs> This one just became so buzzworthy for some reason, yeah. but it's just young people that are continuing to get better at this thing. Right. What kind of feedback did you get on this presentation? Did any of it surprise you or just all positive? So for me, I am a millennial, so none of this was really new for me in preparing for the presentation, but right. what I learned, um, I learned the most from the feedback that we got and people's reactions. I thought that when we were going over the negative stereotypes and characteristics that we have heard and pulled out to talk about, that everybody was going to agree um, and be like, oh my God, totally. And a lot of people were like, wait, I love millennials. They're great. And I was, I was shocked to, I think it's because I'm, I am the type of person that remembers all of the negative things that I hear. Like I hold on to all of that. 
I was expecting to, I guess, hear more like the negative when really everyone was like, I love millennials. I think they're great. They're forward thinking. They're collaborative. Yeah. They're awesome. So I was like, that made me feel good. Yeah, that is awesome. That is, that's a great point. Go ahead, Rory. I think it was funny to see different people uh, react to it. And generally speaking, it was incredibly positive. There was a lot of people that were like, I had just, I've been struggling with this and making it more than what it really is. Yeah. And, and you guys just, you know, definitely kind of put it in perspective for me. There was a lot of people that had the reaction where they almost, they blamed themselves. So there's a bunch of parents that were in the room, you know, during different these things. And they go, well, it's my fault, you know, because <laughs> my parents didn't tell me they loved me. And, you know, I went overboard and there is a, a lot of that going on. Yeah. We, we had a funny thing where we would ask people to start like, you know, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the term millennial? Like, what are some characteristics? What's this? And one guy goes like, they won't move out of my basement. <laughs> yeah, he's like, they won't move out of my house. People that we were talking to were like, oh my God, you are explaining my daughter and it's my fault because I raised you that way. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I mean, the way that the world is now and Rory brought up a great point, like my grandfather and grandmother never, like, of course they loved my mom, right? But they'd never, they weren't I love you type of people and like huggers and things like that. My parents made it a point to make sure that they were like that with me and my brother because they weren't raised like that. And I think that that yeah. is a funny thing. Rory's dad came into the office a couple, a few months ago and I popped out of my desk and ran up to him and gave him a hug. And because I was so excited to meet him and Rory came up to me at the end of the day and was like, my dad is not a hugger. I can't believe that. <laughs> I can't believe that he hugged you. Cause like that is right. just so crazy to me just in terms of how we act is, is, yeah. Is just so different. So, I mean, as far as like, you know, some negative feedback, there wasn't that much of it, but it's actually funny to me. For sure, there was maybe a couple people who just think that this is being overblown. Some people that are maybe a little bit older that didn't really want to hear about it as much. But most of the, yeah, I wouldn't even call it negative, but most of like the pushback we got were from younger people. So they're a little bit sick of having this conversation too. And they almost looked at us like we let them down by by like, you know, talking about this. <laughs> like I thought we were boys, you know? So we, we had to constantly change our cadence and the way that we talked in those meetings to make sure that um, it was not coming across negative when we had a room full of younger people and more yeah. like, hey, like, this is this is us. We are at this together. You know, we're working on this together to kind of smash these stereotypes and find a better way to work with everyone in the industry. So it was funny to have to kind of like, you know, change up on the fly a little bit to make sure mm -hmm. we didn't uh, piss off any of these millennials. That's hilarious. That's not what we're uh, trying to do. Before we started, we actually had like a, a slide that said like, we're going to talk about the millennial generation. And before I start, full disclaimer, like we feel like we can talk about millennials because we are millennials. So all the negative things yeah. that we're saying, we feel like we're allowed to say and make fun of this generation and talk smack on them because the average age of our company is 26. Sarah, I'm going to ask you a very similar question about working with, with uh, other generations. So Rory, what have you learned working with millennials that has influenced your own work ethic or maybe your philosophy of work? Most of it just just comes down to, I think I mentioned earlier, sort of 
the ways to hack efficiency, the ways to put in a really hard day's work, but try not to take it home with you. These are things actually I'm still striving to sort of get better at, but I notice it around me all the time. I have always grown up with the notion that you sort of have to work so hard. And if you're <laughs> spending more time and being sort of like pissed off about it means that you're a hard worker, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that's what I saw with you know my parents. And I definitely still embody a little bit of that. Like, you kind of have to show everybody how hard you're working and you have to look pissed off doing it. Um, <laughs> so to see, to see people that are able to have a bigger picture in mind and understand that you're probably going to be a better employee if you're more well-rounded, if you find time to better yourself, that's been some of the biggest lessons that I've learned and I'm actively trying to get better at it, you know? Yeah. Sarah, what, how about you? Like, what if you learned working with Gen Z? If you, you, you got a folks, a few folks you just said that can't, that are working for you now that are mm-hmm. the Gen Z generation. What have you learned working with Gen Xers, baby boomers, traditionalists? I mean, I've learned so much. Hard work pays off, but the main thing that I hear day in and day out that I always need to work on is slow down, slow down. Slow like down. we have a uh, term in our office. Our boss made a PowerPoint for all of the young people in the company to come sit down and it was called slow the F down, but she actually spelled out the, the, the curse word. And we went through certain production issues and certain emails that were confusing and certain mm. things that happened within that past yeah. month that happened because people were just working too fast. Yeah. It's okay. You don't need to always have an answer, I think is a number is, is a number one thing. <laughs> That's um, good. Yeah. In a meeting, if I don't have the answer to something that somebody's asking me, I don't need to give one. I can right. say, let me get back to you on that because I don't know. Right. That's a hard that's such a hard thing for me. It's still a hard thing for me. Is slow down. You don't always need the answer. Less is more. I think is another one because I always want to have fast, quick answers to things. And I need to learn that it's sometimes okay to not have it right at that moment. Yeah. So that was definitely one of the, the main things that I've learned from the people that have been more experienced that I have worked with. And then in terms of the younger crew that is coming in, I mean, I think they're awesome. The younger people that are coming in here and working and right out of college. I mean, Rory's assistant she was in school working part-time with us and she was putting in virtuals in class. I mean, it's, it's crazy to see how their work ethic, I think, is the thing that impresses me the most. I definitely agree. I mean, the, the real lesson that I've learned over the last couple of years is that if I try to hold myself to the standard of some of these young people I work with, I will feel incredibly insecure. Uh, so, uh, Seriously. <laughs> but like, no, even me, I always say, thank God I was hired first. <laughs> I mean, it's so, because the people that we're hiring are just so awesome. And I think like, you know, our interview process is pretty intense now. And right. it's just, I always say, you literally look at Rory and Katie all the time. I'm like, thank God I was third because these people are just getting better and better. I don't know. I, I, I suck at my job compared to some of these young people, but luckily, you know, I have found a couple other skills and I can uh, go out and shake hands and smile and look pretty. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> it's critical for us all to 
like really understand that this is both suppliers and distributors is a very interdependent industry that we're in. You're not only interdependent upon each other in your own office and in your own work situation, but you're interdependent upon distributors and distributors are interdependent upon suppliers. These are all stakeholders in our businesses and they're very important. One other comment I want to make about millennials and Gen Z coming in is that some of us in the Gen X and baby boomer, boomers generation also need to be careful that we need to remember these folks are learning and evolving on the job. So mm-hmm. some of the habits and things they're bringing into the workplace are just simply the habits. I mean, I would say to that boomer, you had some pretty stupid habits at the age of 18 that you probably brought into the workforce. Um, sure. And so my point being that there, there isn't anything new or novel about a young generation coming in with particular habits or preferences that have to be somewhat refined and that we as leaders actually need to learn and understand that they're evolving and learning on the job and that they will improve and just get better and better, particularly if we're building the right kind of culture, the right kind of environment. The reason why I say this is that the longer an employee is with an organization, the stronger they have to fight to break out of some certain mold or persona Mm -hmm. that has been built around them. So if they entered the business at 22, they're not going to be the same employee at 22 that they're going to be at 30. Rory, do you see distributors and suppliers responding differently to the millennial influx of buyers or not? I mean, the short answer is of course, right? I mean, some people, everybody responds to to change differently, as Sarah just said, right? I mean, this is can kind of be summed up that way. But I think if anybody has a little bit of foresight into what is going to shape our industry in the, the coming years, it's that we're going to have to continue to find new ways to stand out. Um, we're going to have to accept who our buyers are and not try to force them to be any yeah. different than who they are, right? You have to just uh, accept that someone's going to be uni- uh, unique in their own way. And it's literally up to us if we want to continue <laughs> to, yeah. to do well in our industry is to adapt to them, right? Right. And that's just in general. I mean, anybody, any company that is is willing to adapt to their buyers is usually going to be pretty pretty successful. And anybody yeah. that can can uh, see ahead and start making changes before um, it really becomes the norm uh, usually has a leg up on the competition. Yeah. So I think people people handle it differently, and I think we all can probably point to a handful of you know suppliers and distributors that we think are doing a great job, and you know maybe some that are just a little bit slower uh, to realize that change is going to be necessary. Mark Graham and I recorded an episode called Engagement Commerce. And one of the things that I would encourage distributors to do, because, and that's my, the world I come from is from the distributor world, is to work, work on developing more digital tools to enhance the digital experience that also enhances the offline experience as well. So that's one Mm -hmm. thing. If I were a distributor again, I would definitely keep that tech investment solid, like wide open and investing heavily in terms of the digital tools that we use today. So let me ask you guys this then. What about this topic that we're not discussing? Is there anything is there anything that we're avoiding because it's a little bit too PC or it's not you know it's not PC enough? I don't think so. I mean, you do bring up a great point that one of the main things in our presentation and a one a lot of the feedback that we heard is Millennials are sensitive. We are sensitive. We don't like hearing negative feedback. How I just said before, how I hold on to all the negative stereotypes. A lot of the things that we hear are, you know, not the best. But in our presentation, we had a slide that literally said millennials suck, right? So we took the dramatic route to try to put it all out there. As long as you address all of the the negative stereotypes that we hear, I don't really think that we're avoiding anything. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I, I really think this mostly just boils down to to communication. Yeah. I, mean, I heard that more and more from from people that were sitting in on these kind of presentations. And it's just a change in how people communicate. It's really what this all boils down to. Because everything else is there's nothing different, right? Bob, you ever seen the show The Wire? Yes. Okay. There's a great line on the wire where one of the guys says, like, this happens all the time, right? Every generation is worse than the, than the one previous. Right. You know, it's always about the, these kids these days. Right. That is that's been going on for forever. So there really is there's very little different between people, um, but it's just how they communicate. And I think the coolest thing to remember is that if you can just adapt to that and be open to changing how you communicate with your buyers, the rest of the stuff is pretty easy. And I think really what speaks to me right now is the need for distributors and suppliers to sort of like have each other's back and help with this kind of stuff. If we make all of our communication process really simple and we start thinking about the tools that I can give to a distributor and the distributor actually allows me to help them a little bit more, (laughs) you know, this doesn't even have to be a challenge in our industry going forward. Mm -hmm. So I think this whole conversation kind of like brings me back to that from someone who's not been in the industry very long. That's always one of the things that surprised me is just how we all are so reliant on one another, but sometimes we make it difficult. We make the communication difficult. We're reserved and we're guarded. And that's one thing I would like to see sort of change. I don't know if you have yeah. a similar kind of take on it. Yes, definitely seeing the market. I think the most savvy distributors opening their books, if you will, to more of their supplier partners so that they can collaborate better. And I do, I think you're exactly right. I think it's about communication. I also think it's about opening up that communication channel and collaborating in an, in an open environment between suppliers and distributors more and more. Um, I think the pace of the business is forcing many distributors to open up more about their clients, who they're working with, the buyers within those organizations. And you're seeing, I think, the smartest distributors do that and embrace this open collaboration a lot more. That's when I can actually be helpful, right? right. I mean, look, and, and maybe not to backtrack, but when we talk about why we did this, if it's a struggle for a distributor to sort of deal with this right now, why not let someone who sort of understands this a little bit better and yeah. is is you know has a workforce that is made up almost entirely of a younger generation, why wouldn't you use us as a resource, right? right. Like right. if we, if I don't have the, the ability to, to talk to end users, obviously, but I can still sort of coach you and give you tools to do, to do it better. So, you know, for us, that's like a really big thing that we want to be helpful with. The, the secret to our success, you know, it's definitely nice that we have uh, some products that are different and we have a niche in the industry, but we've, we've always positioned ourselves to be a resource first for our distributors, mm-hmm. right? There has to be a reason for you guys to be wanting to work with us. But we do it the best when the walls are down. We can talk frankly about, about customers and what they need and what, what they're into. The more information that we have, the better job we do. So I'm not sure if I got sidetracked here, but I think that's like a really nice takeaway from all of this. Creativity ignites with more information that you have because every, yeah. piece of, every piece of information is a tipping point. Like it leads. Creativity is about connecting the dots. And if distributors are hiding the dots, you can't make anything magic happen. Well, guys, um, before we leave this conversation, typically what happens in a recording, I'll have a guest that says, you know what? We were talking about this topic earlier, and I really wish I would have said this. (laughs) I really wish we could go back to this particular topic. For either of you, is there anything that we need to revisit that you wanted to touch on? Millennials, we're pretty simple. We're not reinventing the wheel when it comes to ideas and what we want in terms of buying, but we want what everybody else has. 
we want it to be ours and we want to take ownership yeah. of it and have it be right. different. So I think our product line is so great in terms, and I'm, I'm not trying to like sound like a commercial for our, for our company, but I think that the reason why our products are so successful is because they're ripped from retail and then you also have the opportunity to completely customize it and make it yours. And that's why people love them and, and want to continue to buy from us because we're providing you with something that you've seen before, but we're giving you the creative freedom to start with a blind canvas. I, this is going to be a little embarrassing. I'm going to admit this, but to your point that you just made, Iris is this fashion icon, right? She's a traditionalist. Yeah. She, I think she's got to be in her 70s or 80s yep. or something. There's a I know great exactly documentary. You know who you're talking about. Okay. Yep. All right. So um, I, I love what she said. To your point, I like individuality. Everyone's the same. Everything is so homogenized. I hate it. And then speaking of business people, she said, downtown, they think they have style, but it's a uniform. Right. And so here you, it's funny. Here you have this traditionalist that thinks like a millennial in that sense. Yeah. And I do think you're right. Right. I, I think that because the internet has opened up so many more options for yep. millennials, they're able to be a little bit more uh, expressive in their individuality. And so they want to they want to make it their own, like you said, and appropriate that in a style that fits their own. Exactly. And, and, and they're bringing that buying preference into the corporation as well. Exactly. Well, guys, this has been a real treat to have you. You guys are a, a highly respected brand, very fresh, and, and your vitality and energy is well-respected in the industry, and it's really an honor to have you guys here on the program. Thank you Thank so much you. for having us. This was a blast, Bob. We appreciate so it. fun. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of SKUcast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to SKUcast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends, thanks so much for listening.